All right, good morning. I really felt like the Lord gave me this as a, as a word for us. Um, this really is the, one of the most powerful things, the powerful, most powerful thing in the kingdom. But when I mention it, you're going to have a temptation probably to want to flip the switch and disconnect and just go to sleep. Now, that may not be the case for everybody, but if that is your natural response when I begin to address what I'm about to address, don't. This is the highest in the kingdom, and there's something in this for us today that I think will be practical that we can actually apply in a way that actually helps us live our life and live our life well, okay? So everybody, do not disconnect when I say this. I want to talk about, drum roll please, <laughs> love. Okay? Now, y- y'all felt it, didn't you? It was like, ah, I want something exciting. I want to hear something fresh and exciting. This will be. This is the most important thing that we have in the kingdom, and there really is something in here that I think um, is going to help us with our practically, practically. Now, my ultimate goal in my walk is to be close to the Lord. I want to I know him. I want to walk with him. I want encounters with him. I want to be his best friend. I want to, I, I, I want this. I really do. I want to experience Jesus. I want, you know, him to just, to just to have such an intimate relationship with him that he didn't want to do anything without talking to me about it. I want that, okay? But the reality is, is that if you're getting closer to God and you're not growing up into love, you're not getting closer to God. That's not happening. It is impossible to be getting closer to God and not causing your, your love walk to grow. If your love walk's not growing, you're not growing. And that's a telltale sign. Are you getting closer? If you want to know if you're getting closer to God, then all you got to do is, am I growing in love? Love for my neighbors, love for my enemies, love for my friends, love for my family, love for everybody. If that's not increasing, you're not getting closer. All right, turn with me to 1 John 4. You all know this. If you grew up if you grew up and went to Sunday school, beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God, and knoweth God, but he that loveth not, knoweth not God, for God is love. Beloved, let us love one another, First John 4, 7 and 8. <laughs> if you grew up in American Sunday school, you learned that song, right? I am, I, it's, I'm 47. I have not been in a, a place where that was being taught or sung since I was a child, and I still remember it vividly and don't have to think about it. It automatically comes out of me. So thank God for them little Sunday school things where they teach you a song because it puts the word in you. And I can remember, I've always remembered that scripture. I got it because of that song, that silly song. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> I will spare you. Uh, but the fact that all you started singing, that it did its job. It was, you see? I mean, everybody knows, knows that, and that's important. Let's read this passage. We're going to read from verse 7 all the way down to 21. Verse 7, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. I love that. I'll read it again. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. There is something about the new birth that when it takes place inside of you, when you're born again, the response is to love. Isn't that amazing? And the, the person that actually knows God is the person you can see who knows God. Why? He loves one another. 
He loves people. By this, the love of God was manifested in us, that God has sent his only begotten son into the world so that we might live through him. See, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. We, we, you know, scripture says we love him because he first loved us. God showed us the way. He showed us how to love. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. He loved us so much that while we were yet wicked, evil people, God loved us so much that he sent his only begotten son. And so, in this is the love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Let me stop there a minute. For me not to love Michael, for me not to love him, well, maybe y'all would understand that, but <laughs> I'm kidding. I messed with you. Uh, for me not to love Michael is to not value what God loves. For me to not love any one of you in any way means that I don't, I don't value what he values. And in thus doing so, I'm not caring about what he cares about. It's kind of like a spit in the face, if you will, because God so loved the world that he was willing to die for it. And for me not to come and to love my brother and my sister is a sign that I don't value what he did for me. I don't value him. I don't care about him because if I cared about him, I would have to care about what pleases his heart and what hurts his heart. And so if I don't love Michael, I'm not loving God. Does that make sense? Yes. To love him, I love what he cares about. If you love me, you're going to love my children because they're my life. For you not to love my children means you don't really care much about me because they're the most valuable things I have in this life. You see what I'm saying? Y'all are God's kids. When we allow the stupidness that we allow to cause us to separate one from another over stupid, petty garbage, it means that we're really not giving ourselves to trying to make him happy. I want to make him happy. Don't you want to make him happy? Doesn't he deserve to be happy? He does. He deserves it. He gave it all. I am a recipient of the grace of God. And if I truly appreciate that and value that, I'm going to value him and, and appreciate him and want to love him and bless him. And I can't do that without loving what he loves. And he loves you. In this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us. And his love is perfected in us. That's amazing. Love is perfected in us. If, how do we know love is perfected in us? If we love one another. So if you want to grow, say you're growing up into Christ, you're growing into maturity, and you're not walking in love towards your brother, can you love people who aren't lovable? Amen. Are you mature? Hey. And his love is perfected in us. Perfected, maturity. That word's maturity, perfected. Are you loving people that are difficult to love? The people that irritate you, the people that are bat crazy, the people that are irritating you or doing wrong to you, do you love them? Can you see past their actions to see the person behind them and to care about that person even though they're doing craziness? That's to know if you're being perfected in love. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us 
How? Why, how? What does that tell us that we're abiding in him and him and us? Because if you're not abiding in him, you can't do that. If you're not abiding in Jesus, you're not going to be able to love your neighbor. It's a supernatural thing. We're too messed up. We're irritating to the flesh. We're difficult to get along with. We're stubborn, hard-headed people. The only way you can walk in love with one another is to be abiding in him, to be in the spirit. If you're not in the spirit, it's going to be hard. You can't do it. It's impossible. You can put on a nice face. You can grin. Oh, and you can look good in front of people, and inside you can be full of hatred, full of irritation. But God sees the heart. Are you in, in your heart, do you love the person in front of you? You got to abide in him to see that happening. For by this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. It's the spirit of God that's working in our hearts to cause us to love one another. Scripture says that the love of God has been spread, spread, abroad, spread abroad in our hearts through the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit in us that allows us to love. Otherwise, we're not, we, wouldn't be, we can't do it. We need the Spirit of God to love. It's just, uh, I've been married for a long time. Uh, me and Lindsay have been together 30 years. And... Uh, and the thing that you know you learn when you've been with someone that long is you go through good and bad, ups and downs. I've been married, well, we've been married, what, 25 years, and we've been together, we, we dated five years, so we've, we've known each other for 30 years. Uh, both of us can say there was times that we did not want to love, <laughs> right? And we have to choose it. Anybody who's been married for any length of time know there comes moments where you choose to stay faithful to a commitment that you made when you don't want to. Your flesh doesn't want to, but you choose it. That's love. Love is not the little emotion that you feel, the little puppy love. I was telling, yeah, I don't want to get in trouble. I was talking to a particular young person that I'm close to, <laughs> and we were talking about Love as in true love. <laughs> if y'all catch the drift of that one, uh, marriage. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we're talking about true love versus that puppy feeling that you feel when you first start liking somebody and you're dating and you're going through that process and it's so exciting. And, and I, yeah, I remember that. It was great, exciting. That always goes away. It always does. And then that's when true love begins. That's the love that's deep. It, it won't go away because it's more than a little feeling. It's a commitment. And though there's gr feelings are great. I mean, I, I love feeling love, you know. Uh, there are times when you feel God's love, and it's such a great thing. I'd want to stay in that for forever. Y'all know, when, if you've been married, you know what I'm talking about. You there's There's a point that... You have to choose it, and that is reality. That's the good love. That's the love that matters. That's the love that stays strong in the midst of uh, opposition. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. We have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. God is love, and the one who abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. Abide, you, you stay there, abiding. Remember Jesus said, abide in me, and let my words abide in you. That's uh, live there, stay there, dwell there, don't leave that place. The person that stays in love stays in God, according to the scripture. How many have, have kind of walked out of love sometimes? You, you know, you're, you're staying in love, and then all of a sudden, Wham! And you, you know the, you know the cat came out. <laughs> you ever, you ever have those moments? You know where it's like, what the, what just came over me? I just totally lost my sh <laughs> stuff. <laughs> I was not, 
abiding in the Spirit. I just lost it. You know, you ever have that happen? Well, the Lord wants us to grow out of that to where we grow up into love to the point that as we abide in love, we know we're abiding in God. And that's the way we love is by abiding in him. By this love is perfected with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment because as he is, so also are we in this world. I love this scripture. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves punishment and the one who fears is not perfected in love. Hmm. You mean that our fear is the result of us not abiding in love? Isn't that interesting? See, love, you can't love people without knowing you're loved. Jesus said, love your neighbors as yourself. If you don't love yourself, then you don't see yourself through God's eyes because I, you know, I want to love what God loves. Well, God loves me, so if I don't see myself through his eyes, I may not love myself. But if you're having trouble with love for yourself, you need a revelation of how God sees you because he loves you. He loves you. He died for you. And we need to get that revelation inside of us. Love, when we know how much God loves us, it changes our whole life. There's a, lo- a confidence that we grow in when we know how God feels about us that allows us to live life in a different way than we would have otherwise. Is the confidence in it. And we can't love others if, we're not, if we don't know how God feels about us. And when we begin to get the revelation of love, that God loves me, it drives out fear. When we know that God loves us and he loves others, it drives out fear. We love because he first loved us. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For the one who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, that the one who loves God should love his brother also. All right, is that pretty clear? This is the commandment we have from God. The one who loves God should love his brother also. If you don't, if you want to, you know, John 13, I'm going to turn over there. You don't have to. Uh, but it says, verse 34, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. You know, I want miracles, signs, wonders. I want all that. I'm pursuing that. We can't have the fullness of the gospel without it. But it's not by signs and wonders that God said all men will know you're my disciples. Matter of fact, he said it was possible. We start looking at at, uh, 1 Corinthians 13. We find out that it's possible to walk in all those signs and wonders and have not love, which is amazing. The gifts of the Spirit are not dependent upon the fruit of the Spirit. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are not dependent upon the fruit of the Holy Spirit. We need both. You know, Scripture says faith works through love. The faith that removes mountains and all that stuff, but it works through love. And when you stop loving, those things become um, an idol, they become, when the, pur- when the purpose of the gifts and the power and the miracles and all that stuff, when there's not a motivation of loving the person that's, that, that that's being poured out for, then we've missed the purpose of those powers. We've gotten caught up in the means to an end, but the end was love. I love this person and they need a miracle. I love this person, they need a word. I love this person. They need the power of God released to transform their lives. It's, I love God moving. I love the excitement of all that. But the end goal is love. Love never fails, the scripture says. The, the scripture says that there, remind, there remains three things, right? 1 Corinthians 13. F- faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. If this really is the greatest, why are we not giving more attention to it? 
I know this isn't an exciting message from the standpoint of, I mean, there's other things that are more exciting. Okay, well, good. Good. Well, good. Because it should be. Jesus said this is the greatest. You think about it. The whole, you see this book? This thick book? Jesus, before the, the, the second half of this book, so half of this book... When Jesus walked the earth, the second half didn't exist, okay? He said the first half of this book was completely fulfilled by one word, love. He said, love God with all your heart, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself, and this fulfills all of the law and the prophets. Love, that word love, fulfills 4,000 years of God moving in the earth. One word sums up 4,000 years of God moving in the earth. If we're going to excel at something, surely that's got to be the goal, right? But this isn't easy because your love gets challenged. If love was easy, anybody would do it. Love's not easy. Love is a death to the flesh. <laughs> you know, when we don't walk in love, there, it hinders faith. We know that from uh, Galatians 5, 6, because faith works through love. And you know that love, when not operated properly, it blocks our prayers. Did you know that your prayers can be hindered by you not walking in love? 1 Peter 3, 7. First, First Peter 3, 7, it talks about the relationships between husband and wives. And when husbands don't honor their wives the way they're supposed to as a co-heir with Christ, that their, their prayers can be hindered. And I want to tell you, I believe that that's true in every relationship. When we don't honor love, it can hinder our, our prayers. I don't want my prayers hindered. I don't. But not walking in love can hinder them. Love is the super weapon. Love is the super weapon. All right, I'm going to read through these now because, you know, we are born selfish, right? That's the natural default. I want to run through these scriptures real quick. You're just, just, you can go back and listen to them or you can write them down real quick. This is just to point something out that love is a growth process. It's not a, it's not a one and done. Love is growing selfishness is natural you don't have to grow into that i mean it can get worse for sure uh you ever see these old people that don't allow love into their life at all and they the older they get boy the meaner they get and uh of course a lot of that because their body starts hurting and everything's miserable and you know <laughs> pain makes you miserable but um <laughs> that's true but love is a growth process 1 Thessalonians 3.12, And may the Lord cause you to increase and abound in love for one another and for all people, just as we also do for you. The Lord wants us to abound. That means to grow in, to get more of it. In this, Philippians 1.9, In this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in real knowledge and all discernment. You see the, the, the tag between love and real knowledge and discernment? You can't, the spirit of discernment, which I desperately want, and I know we all need to that, you will never function in the, in the spirit of discernment if you don't have love. Why is that? Because you'll be given to suspicion. When you love somebody that's in front of you, you don't want to be suspicious. You want to believe all things, hope all things. But when you're suspicious of people, you're, I remember one time, and this is not, I'm not, I, I understand, I'm not like throwing rocks at this person because I've been there and I know how this happens. It's that spirit of suspicion that we think's discernment. You know what I mean? But I remember I used to be youth pastor at, at Morningstar alone. I started the youth ministry there uh, back in 1996. I was the first official youth pastor. And my, when my time was done, I got removed. 
It, the Lord, it was done. You could feel it. I could feel it. I'd given all that I got. I was a young kid. I needed, I needed to grow more. And uh, someone else was putting, a friend of mine was put in place, in, in that place. And I'm up at church, and they're like, they brought that guy up, and they're praying for him and honoring him. And I sat there, and I, I was in the back of the church, and I started in my heart. I said, Lord, bless this. Bless my friend. And, and yeah, it was a little bit hard, but I was literally, I was in my heart praying for God to bless this, this guy, to, to make him successful and to use him, because I knew that was the right prayer, and it was in my heart. I, I loved him. I wanted him to be successful, and I was praying for him. And one of the, the, one of the, the people, I'll just put it like that, there's a person there that came up to me right at that moment and says, started accusing me of having negativity and jealousy in my heart to that person. You know what that was? That was a, a, a spirit of suspicion being passed off as discernment. When we're suspicious towards people, that's a, a result of us not loving that person. Suspicion um, will get us in trouble. That's not discernment. When you discern something bad in somebody, you immediately start praying for them. You don't want them to be that way. You pray that God would change their heart, change their life. You want to see the Lord's best in them. And if I see something negative in somebody, I start praying for them right away. I don't go to them right away. I pray for them. And I pray for them until I know that my heart's in the right place and I know it's something God really wants me to do. Because in many cases... The scripture says if you see your brother in sin, not leading to death, pray for them. Now, and then Paul made a distinction. But if you see your brother in sin that leads to death, I do not say pray for him. He was telling me to go, go, go address it, go talk to him. You know, There's, we all stumble in many ways. If it's a sin leading to death, that's like, hey, man, they're in adultery. Man, they're in pornography. They're into something that's really causing immediate death. In them, that's something that we need to address. If they're just, hey, they're, you know, they were a little sharp when they were talking to that person over there. Man, they're really not, uh, you know, they're 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 living very frustrated and they're they're kind of being mean to people. You know, just pray for them. I mean, you, you and you look for opportunities. The Lord may have you share with somebody, but the goal is to start praying for people when you see that discernment can't operate if we're not walking in love first. And that's what it says in Philippians 1.9. And this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in real knowledge and all discernment. You want all discernment? You walk in love. Second Thessalonians 1.3. We ought always to give thanks to God for you, brethren, as is only fitting because your faith is greatly enlarged and, you, and the love of each one of you toward one another grows ever greater. The love that we start in grows Ephesians 3.17, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and that you being rooted and grounded in love. Um, uh, last one, 1 Thessalonians 4, 9 through 10. Now as to the love of the brethren, you have no need for anyone to write to you for you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. See, God teaches you that. If you're following the Lord, if you're his disciple, he's teaching you love. If you're not getting taught love, you're not walking with Jesus. You may go to church, you may read your Bible, but if you're not being taught love by the Holy Spirit, you're not walking as Jesus' disciple. He's not working in your life because if God's working in your life, you're growing in love. For indeed, you do not, or see, uh, no needs for anyone to write to you, for you yourself are taught by God to love one another. For indeed, you do practice it toward all the brethren who are in all Macedonia. But we urge you, brethren, to excel still more. See, that's Paul's exhortation. Hey, guys, we see that you're really walking in love. That's awesome. Go even deeper in it. Excel even greater in your love walk. How many know our love walks can get a little better? Come on. I remember... Uh, as a young, in, in the mid-90s, as a young man, um, actually, Miriam was the church secretary at Morningstar, and I, I think you were actually, 
there when the, the Lord did this to me. It wasn't, but I began to, um, I began to get convicted. I love the Holy Spirit. He, he'll convict you. He'll help you. People were asking me, I'd had a number of people at different stages over the last few months ask me to help them move. And my default was to figure out a way to not have to help them. You know? That was my default. And the Lord started convicting me. And the way he convicted me, I was reading and it said that just all of a sudden, it just rose up inside of me. That's the Holy Spirit. What's the, one of the names of the Holy Spirit? He's the helper. Why, do, why is my default to not help? Why am I looking and running and trying to find a way to not help? And I got convicted. And I was like, crud. Wow. And it was just like a, a, just looking at yourself in the mirror and you're like, man, I don't like what I'm seeing. That, if his default is to help people, why do I not want to help people? Why am I so quick to be so lazy that I don't want to help somebody that needs help? And if you're, and, and, and that was the process of, of the Lord beginning to deal with something in me that he wants me to love to help people. Now, there are times people put demands on you that you can't meet and you're not supposed to. I'm not talking about that. But I'm talking about a hard attitude to where I, I didn't want to help because it cost me something, my time. I have better stuff I wanted to do. I was thinking about me. But love thinks about others. And, I, and so it started that. And so my point in saying that is there, it, I began to grow in love. That was like a wake-up call for me, and it began to show me I needed to grow in love. Now, I love this quote. How many can appreciate, I know some of you will not, because maybe you are like him, maybe you're a bah humbug, but how many like the movie A Christmas Carol? Isn't that a great movie? I didn't see enough hands out there. Christmas Carol, you know, Scrooge. Lindsay's thumbing down it. She don't like ever watch it with me. It's ridiculous. I love that movie. I love that movie. The Three Spirits, yeah, that came and visited him. Are y'all familiar with that story? You got to watch that movie, Christmas Carol. It's a great Charles Dickens. It was, I think, in the 1800s. Uh, Oh, there's lots of them. There's lots of versions, yeah. Disney's got a cartoon version that's, that's good. I mean, there's all kinds of versions. But there's a scene where these two men, as you know the story, Ebenezer Scrooge was a shrewd businessman that cared nothing about anything but profit. And he didn't care anything about his fellow man. And his business partner was the same way. His business partner dies, but his business partner comes back to haunt him on Christmas Eve and to give him a message. And he starts talking about his eternal, really eternal damnation, the, 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 the difficulties that he was experiencing in the afterlife due to the way he lived his life. And, he, and, and, and in this dialogue, Ebenezer Scrooge says to his Bob Marley, his business partner, who's a ghost, haunting him, and he says, oh, but you were such a good businessman. And it made him so angry because he, because he was seeing the error of his ways. And he said, mankind was my business. The common welfare was my business. Charity, mercy, forbearance, benevolence were all my business. The dealings of my trade were but a drop of water in the comprehensive ocean of my business. And that scene was, is so powerful because he realized that the most important thing that he had in his life was people. And he, and he was busy just worrying about his own profit. And it just hits me. It's like, man, helping people is our business. That's the business of the Holy Spirit. That's the business that God wants us to be about. That's God's business. That's the family business. He wants us to help other people. And I love that. I, I, don't, I, I love that to my wife's chagrin. I, I, I do. I really love that. Um, turn over. I'm going to turn over to Matthew 20. And this is, I'm going to end with this. Matthew 20, 
but I feel like this kind of sums up, and this is where I try to get practical a little bit with what I'm talking about. Matthew 20, verse, starting verse 20, um, this is where uh, Jesus is getting close to going away. He's getting close to going to the cross and the resurrection and all that, and um, and in verse 20, we'll start. Then the mother of the sons of Zebedee, that's James and John, came to Jesus with her sons, bowing down and making a request of him. And he said to her, what do you wish? She said to him, command that in your kingdom, these two sons of mine may sit, one on your right and one on your left. But Jesus answered, you do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I'm about to drink? And they said to him, we are able. And he said to them, my cup you shall drink, but to sit on my right or on my left, this is not mine to give, but is for those for whom it has been prepared by my father. And hearing this, the 10 became indignant with the two brothers. But Jesus called them to himself and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their great men exercise authority over them. It is not this way among you, but whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servants, and whoever wishes to be first among you shall be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. You know, I want to back up a little bit. These guys were looking for positions of power, positions of glory, positions of authority, and when we get down here, when the rest of the disciples found out that these guys were seeking to be Lord over them even, that they became indignant with them. And Jesus had to, had to make it a teachable moment. Appreciate that. And he called them to him. He said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. Or in other words, the people that get into power positions of authority they use the position to force people to serve them they use their authority to benefit them they're the benefactor of their position that's not love and i have found that this is a a problem with the human heart it, it always goes back to the garden where satan tempts them says you will be as god you remember that? Satan says to Eve, all oh, know the day you eat of it, you will be as God. And there is something in our flesh that wants to be, be like God that way. We want to have power and authority and rule, and it's that selfish ambition. And, of course, the Scripture says where selfish ambition does exist, there is everything demonic, every, every evil thing. And uh, we don't want to have that, but yet the Lord's trying to teach them and he's saying that when you, the Gentiles have these positions of authority, they use it and really abuse it to exercise authority over the people under them in order to benefit them. But the Lord is saying it's not that way with you. Whoever wants to be a leader here, you have to use your position, and I'm paraphrasing, you have to use your position of authority to serve those people. If you have been given, and this is where it gets practical, every single person in here has some level of authority. You have some level of position that you've been given. If you're a mother, you have authority over your kids. If you're a husband, you have authority over your home. If you're a boss at your work, you may have authority in people under you. No matter where you find yourself in life, you will be tested at some point with position authority. And the question is, what are you going to do with that authority? Do you use it to serve yourself, or do you use it to serve others? And that's, and that's going to be the challenge on the heart, because in the flesh, there's a desire to serve ourselves. I understand selfish ambition. I went through... I, <laughs> The Lord kicked me out of Morningstar, if you will. He really didn't, but I mean, I used to work there when I, when I was in my 20s. And the Lord set me down. I was in full-time ministry, but he set me down because of selfish ambition. Best thing that could have ever happened to me. I needed it. I wanted it. I, didn't, I hated it. I was tormented with the wickedness I saw in me, the, the desire for a power and authority. 
It was, it was nasty. And so I went through a long process of the Lord dealing with those roots in me that wanted authority, wanted to be recognized, wanted position. And that's stuff in all of us. If you hadn't manifested yet, that means that you just hadn't had an opportunity for it to come up. It's there. It's in the flesh. And you're going to have to deal with it at some point. But this is, this is the crux of my message. Our positions that we are given are meant to serve people. And here's how I evaluate myself. And this is how I talked about love Love really is the test to, to, to evaluate if we're being successful in what we're doing. Paul said, I'm at labor until Christ was formed in you. Right? Y'all remember that? He says, I'm at labor until Christ is formed in you. I fail as a pastor if I'm not seeing the people that God's given. I don't care about the numbers. I don't. And if I do, I'm repenting of it. I don't want to. Numbers don't matter. Not just for numbers sake. What does matter is that the people that God sends to me, am I seeing them grow up into all aspects into Christ? Are y'all growing in your faith? Are you growing in love? Are you growing and getting closer to the Lord to where you don't need me? Now, many of you are there. And that's good. I mean, we all need one another, but there's a dependency that people have when they're young in the Lord on certain people. But as they grow, it's like, it's like kids. You know, you grow up, there comes a point that you no longer need your mom and dad and it's time to be on your own. That's the purpose. That we all have that purpose in people around us. We're called to help people around us to grow up in the Lord in such a way that they're mature, standing on their own two feet, connected to the head, and that's, to, that's if we're succeeding. And as pastors, you know, me, Paul, and Josh, and, you know, as we're pastoring this church, one thing I keep coming back to is, like, our measuring stick is if y'all are growing up in the Lord. If we're not seeing fruit of the Spirit and gifts of the Spirit and growing up into all aspects into Him, everything that Jesus was, that's what we're to grow up. If we're not seeing that, we're failing, and I don't want to fail. And that's where love is the test. God's not given me this position so that y'all can serve me. He's given me this position that I may serve you. Every single one of us have positions that God's given us. And the question is, are we using it to serve our brothers? Are we using it to help people? Are we using it to see the people around us go higher? Are we lifting people up? Are we allowing people to even walk on us to go up higher? Well, I, I want to. And that's got to be our goal. If it's not, we're not walking in what we're called to do. I'll read one passage of Scripture, and I think I'm done. Ephesians 4. Now, this is our second point here. Ephesians 4 and 11 and 12, and I'm going to read that, but then I'm going to go on from there. Ephesians 4, starting in verse 11. And he gave some as apostles, and some as prophets, and some as. He gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ. Until. So we have, we have apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for all that. Until. We're going to have them until. We all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. That's how you know you still got apostles on the earth when you hear um, people saying that the apostles have passed away. Well, according to this scripture, they hadn't, unless you're going to say that the church has come to the very fullness of Christ. I'm sorry, the church is not walking in the fullness of Christ yet. When you see that, okay, then you can try to convince me that maybe the apostles are done with. But until then, it says we have them until. As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ. 
from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what joint supplies according to the proper working of every each or of each individual part causes the growth of the body for you ready the building up of itself in love if we're doing this right according to all that passage of scripture all that stuff growing up Everybody getting in their place, everybody functioning their, in their calling and their purpose and their part in the body, and, and, and everything's working right. It goes through all that stuff. The apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, equipping the saints for the work of service to the tour stature of Christ, the very fullness we're growing up in all aspects. The body's fitting together. You got all the parts going, and you get down, and it says... From whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part, that's you, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself, and then it sums it up, in love. If we don't do love right, we're failing. We're not doing any of that. And so this is my encouragement uh, as a pastor, I see things that y'all may not see, some things, in the sense that I, I have relationships with you guys, and I, you guys sometimes talk to me about different things you're going through. I see things. It really bothers me, and it saddens my heart to see when people begin to separate themselves from one another but due to fights and things like that. And the Scripture says... He who seeks his own, he who separates himself seeks his own desire. That, that scripture hit me one time really hard. Is your first goal to separate yourself from the body? Separate yourself from other people? You get, you get into a group of people and somebody makes you mad. I wouldn't be here today if, if I allowed that to rule me. Me and Paul's gotten into it before. I know me and Joel's gotten into it before. And you know what? I have greater respect for both of those men today because we didn't separate from one another because we had a disagreement. But in, in fact, we caused it to cause us to grow even closer and to work through it. That's love. You got to. You're not allowed to separate from the body just because you don't like what's happened we get hurt and that's going to happen go to your brother and sister and say look that really hurt me talk it out but don't separate because you're going to miss the greatest relationships you've ever have if i would have separated with paul when we had our first fight here man i would have missed out on a great friendship and a great brotherhood that i didn't get to and wouldn't have got to if i wasn't willing to get past the bump in the road my mother-in-law man i love her she has been, um, she is an incredible woman, and I have such joy out of the relationship that we have had, but I'm telling you, there was a time when I didn't like her at all, and she didn't, and she wanted me dead. <laughs> I'm just telling you the truth. I, I told you, you're going to get the good, bad, and the ugly with me, but God, and we both allow God to work on our heart and to to not resist the conflict, but to work through it. And because of it, I have experienced, I don't know, um, at least 25 years, I would think, or more, of incredible, the best relationship. I mean, when people say they're, they're parents-in-law, that's not always a good term they're saying. I love my mother-in-law. Now, if she was here, I wouldn't be saying this. <laughs> I'm teasing. Um, but I love her. We have a great relationship. It's a fun relationship, and I would have missed it if we didn't learn how to work through difficulties. And what I want to encourage you guys, if love never separates itself just because you get in a fight. Me and my wife got in a fight numerous times. We're still together because love doesn't separate itself. He who separates himself seeks his own desire. If you're growing up into maturity in Christ, you're going to keep holding on to your brothers. If they separate from you, 
You always leave that door open for them to return. Your goal is redemption and hope. If they refuse to repent over something that they need to, sometimes you have to let go, but you always let go with a a life preserver in the water hoping they'll grab onto it. Uh, There's been people I've had to separate myself from, but it's always done with the hope that someday they might, you know, the Lord bring a redemption and a restoration and that there would be forgiveness and an opportunity for reconciliation. That's my hope. Paul said, as long as it depends on you, what? Be at peace with all men. There are times that it is out of your control. You can't control what other people do. But as far as it depends on me, be at peace with all men. Even when we fight our enemies, and sometimes we do have to do that, we do it from a place of love for them. Does that make sense? Sometimes we have to stand against what people are doing, but our heart is still longing for them to be in repentance and to get right with God and to have the the goodness of God in their life. So I just want to encourage us this morning. um, Let's test ourselves. You know, the scripture says, test yourself to see if you're in the faith. That's a good test right there. Are you growing in love and are you using the positions that God has given you to serve those around you? If the answer is no, it's time to grow up a little bit. It's time to give yourself to growing in love. Challenge yourself. Lord, help me love these people. If you're struggling loving somebody, start praying for them. That's always the first start, uh, first starting place. Pray for the people that you struggle with. Pray for one another. I want to see all of you full of Jesus. And I want you to want me to be full of Jesus. Pray for me. Let's pray for one another. Love one another. Give ourselves. Lay down our lives for one another. If we become a church that'll do that, what does the scripture say? That when brethren dwell together in unity, that that's where he will command the blessing. He will command the blessing over where brethren dwell together in unity. I want this to be a church where we love each other more than we love our petty issues and that where we're so for one another and we're fighting for one another and when someone makes you mad, you determine your heart to love them even more and to pray for them more and to fight for them, not against them, for them. God will command his blessing over this church if we do that. And I want us to do that. Amen. Lord, help. Help us learn to love. In Jesus' name.